This is Shoulder Charge, a rugby league podcast hosted by me, Casey Smith. And here's what's on the show this week. I'm joined by Whitehaven CEO, Andrew Canavan. And we're talking all about Whitehaven season and on the field issues, off the field issues, all sorts of subjects. So, hope you enjoy it. The interview, by the way, is going to be in two parts. So this week we're going to have part one and next week we're going to have part two. Part one is pretty much focused on the season just gone by. And part two will be focused much more on off-the-field issues. So issues like the stadium, TV deals, restructuring plans for rugby league, all those sorts of issues. So you'll hear that next week. But first, I started off by asking him, what did he make of the season just gone by? Uh, on the field, it's been a really good season. We've obviously probably beat expectations of where we probably finished. We did believe we'd put a squad together that we, we thought was capable of doing much better than what it looked like we would have done in 2020. Uh, we, were, we were confident that although we may be in, a, in kind of a mini-league of four or five teams kind of down the bottom end we were, we were pretty confident we had what we, we had it in us to stay up uh, but just achieve going out on that run at the end of the season and, and achieving what we did by getting into the playoffs and almost you know, basically falling two two try conversions short of, of progressing uh, into the semi-finals was, was definitely better than, than than we expected yeah and you know yeah. I- after just 10 games, it were, you know, two wins, so, you know, th- th- what changed? I know quite a few teams suffered throughout the season with injuries, and, and we signed the squad, we maybe went a bit thin on quality uh, by going for quantity, then we, we would have liked, but we knew we were, we were going to get battered in the first uh, few months with injuries, just because the lads wanted to play for and over 12 months of contact and whatnot, and then we had that. We had a bad pre-season where we came back to pre-season, and we had to stop it, and then we, it couldn't be contact, and it kind of messed with us. We signed five or six players, uh, so that we didn't really get the ability to gel early on. Uh, we probably were best team out, or well, the coach of the thought we were the best team out. We beat Jews at home in the first game in the cup, uh, but we lost. I think it was like three three men that day. I went down the witness with a slightly different team, uh, just to give people minutes as well, because we didn't manage to get a pre-season friendly. Uh, and we, again, we pulled up about two or three just from that game, it, and that just that kind of went on all the way up, up until uh, well, probably into, into May at least. And we started getting players back, but we get two back and one will go. We, we, we couldn't get a, a settled kind of thirteen on the pitch in any way, shape, or form. We, we didn't have, have our fans complaining. We were making six changes a game and let me tell you a lot of them were forced changes uh, they, it wasn't a case of always not playing well we'll, drop in, we'll, we'll, we'll try this combination we'll try that combination we just really suffered from injuries and not being able to gel and get a consistent half back pair or a, a, a consistent back, back, back line um, you know uh, one of our better hookers there Callum Phillips uh, he, got, he got a four game ban no sorry he got in yeah he got injured against Toulouse and uh, he's out for a while with a severe whip flask and he got laid off the ball, he got a four game ban uh, for a spear attacking in essence. And so, you know, we, we just took the ball. Once 
was more, I don't think it's any shock really or any coincidence that once we turned it, turned that around and we got a settled team and, and all our better players, when we were losing players, it wouldn't it wouldn't be what you would class as our, our fringe players either. You know, we lost our, our what you would say would have been our starting two clubs for quite a while. We lost our starting hooker, like I say, for probably about 10 games of the season. You know, uh, we lost our, our fullback, Greg McNally, for quite a few games and two different injuries. Uh, <clears throat> Andrew Bowman, one of our two wingers, was out for quite a while when he got need need in the ribs and a broken rib when he was trying to score against Batley. You know, they, they were they were what you would pass our first team as that were that out. Uh, so once once started getting a settled team and we could uh, and we weren't getting as many injuries, we, we, that's when we went on that run. Even before that, probably there's probably only two games where we actually played quite poorly. Uh, well, probably, probably only one actually, which, which was witness away. Because uh, even Toulouse, we got beat 66 nil at home against Toulouse, but, but we did get an apology from the, the, the referee or the RFL, whatever you want to say, for, for two or three of their tries, uh, uh, their earlier tries, uh, which obviously put us on the back foot. Uh, and I've never came out with a 66 nil defeat or, or a defeat of that kind of magnitude and not been feeling depressed, but it wasn't that kind of game. Yeah. So, you know, but the witness, the witness away again, it, it was, it was very poor. Oh, London away as well, very, the second half, we just, we didn't, I don't think we took, we touched the ball twice in the first 23 minutes of the second half. I think we turned it over and tackled one, we turned it over and tackled two, and that's the only time, to, the only two sets we touched in the first 23 minutes. You, you can't do that against a full, a full-time side with Woods and, and Sam at the half back from the show. You, you know, things you can do like that. So, we had them two back games, we worked on ourselves, uh, so we got a few players back and, We've got a couple out on loan and a couple of clubs who maybe just won't cut you when we have to play it back. And uh, no, that's, that's where we went on that, on that really good run. So, to be fair, we, we all, all of that was in it, always had it in us. It was just a case of being able to get that settled team on the pitch for a couple of games, uh, getting to getting to know where, <clears throat> where they're running to. You can do all you want. You can have a pause sessions in training all you want and, and things, but you can't limit a uh, real, real match. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's, and unfortunately, like I say, we, we had it in, in us all, all year. We just couldn't. Answer. But again, it's not really an excuse to be fair because quite a lot of the other clubs suffered with big injuries. But I, I know there was at least two or three games there in the, in the first part of the season where we had a full team, like 13 people in the treatment room, if you like. Yeah. And obviously, you went on that big run. and But, you know, it, it seemed unlikely even... In the final games, you know that massive change against Bradford, but I think a lot of it were depending on what London were doing as well. Did did you actually see it coming, getting in the playoffs? With two games to go. I honestly thought we had a fifty-fifty chance. Uh, we played London not long before, not long before that, and kind of hammered them. And you know, we were leading there twelve-four at half time when we were down there until we collapsed in that first first half of the second half. Um, personally, I didn't see London get anything out of York and tell us they absolutely not been wrong. London aren't the team, uh, aren't the team they were. <clears throat> and they may, they may be full time, but a lot of those, a lot of those lads were, weren't, aren't long out there in academy. And when season pros, if you like, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not even maybe caught this, but I'm not going to go tell a club if they've got the recruitment wrong, but I think they did. I think they spent money in the wrong places. And, and they weren't the team that, uh, they, Perhaps could have been for what they've spent. Uh, but yeah, I, I, we really biased there. Certainly, I didn't see anything out of Featherstone at home and, and York away. We just played York. York might maybe a bit of a, 
Tad Lamy and Essence got the signed this year, but at the end of the year, still got really good players on Coverston, Ben Jones, Bishop, Washbrook. Um, and, you know, they, they, these players have been there, done it all over the world. Yeah. Uh, and <clears throat> I just didn't know, we didn't think that. So we knew, we really thought Destiny was in our own hands. Uh, we'd went away to Halifax, even through a period of, of upheaval for ourselves with, with the injuries we had. Uh, and we put in a good effort at Halifax, losing 14-4. Uh, in a game that they scored two tries, or one of the kicks come back off the off the post. Uh, another one was a was a, was a referee's call when they got it down. So they only scored those two tries that game, and it was a real tussle. And then Halifax well, certainly nearly been in a game. So coming up here, they weren't on they weren't on the best of form. We were on a great run. I think we won the last eight out of eight at home, so that or seven out of seven at home. So that that was uh, that was probably our final game. <coughs> Uh, motions were in the high would have been uh, the last game for coaching staff and playing staff so we, we thought that I mean, going away to Bradford was always going to be a big ask and that was the uh, that was what we thought would be the, the difficult kind of game to, to get into the, the playoffs yeah and obviously they, they came out and I don't know I was, I was commentating on West Yorks radio with uh, Nick Gledel for the game and joke, well, he, he said to me I think we they scored two quick tries, uh, then we kicked out the full from the kickoff. Uh, we've been bundled into touch a couple of times as well. And Nick said, what, what, after the, when the kick went, it didn't really go straight out. The guy put his foot in, in the touch and caught the ball, so it wasn't like it went far out. But uh, Nick turned around and he said, what, what's going wrong, Andrew? Where, where do you see? What's the problems? And yeah, a little bit tongue in cheek, but also quite honestly, I said, Nick, we're used to playing on a pitch that's nearly 10 metres wider. <laughs> now the ball, the ball's getting out of our centres, and you're standing on the touchline. Yeah. Now we, we the young winger, Doorbell, 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 Neil his name now, so actually, now he he scored, I think, their third try, and that was his ninth of the season. That's how two wings have scored about twenty-seven between them. Yeah. And it shows that we, you know, we pass it out, we get it out there, and, and our wingers finish finish off, we create that space, which was difficult to do on the back of the pitch. Uh, but we went for. Run four forwards on the bench in case that kind of, in case that kind of game happened, and I think our impact players from the bench were just a, a hell of a lot better on the day than Bradford. Yeah. And Dion Air, for example, came came storming through, made great yards, stepping stepping their big forwards, sending the halfbacks for for hot dogs. I think one of them's still there now. So yeah, the Bradford game was was, was always going to be the trickiest one. We, we obviously we had to we had to change our game plan halfway through that first half there uh, and go a lot more direct and, and we made a lot of yards, punched over the hole, got some quick quick play of the balls and that's what we won. We won, the, we won on the back of the of the quick play of the balls. They weren't they weren't being able to, to come to meet us. You know, we were getting our forward to get to run ten yards at a, at a time into them. We were, and as even as John Key said, we ran harder than we wanted it more than them and I think that that showed we've got a great great
could have been running downhill, but uh, the Toulouse, uh, no, we, we were never dangerous. You know, we never looked like we would get anywhere near them. With Featherstone, even with square pegs in my holes, we, we still put up a good fight. So, I've, uh, I would have said Toulouse this year would have finished the league anyway, so I believe. Yeah, I, thought, um, I, I think I, so. I so. Yeah, so, like I said, the, the fact that, yeah, yeah, it was, I think it was a bit of a shock, scored 36 amounts of points over the space of about half an hour. <laughs> Yeah, and and possibly three uh, Cumbrian sides in the championship next season, depending on whether Workington get up. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's good for the area. Right? Uh, well, with all the restructuring, it shows what's going on. And like you saying, we're the only sport who seems to be actually embarrassed if a, if a small kind of town team is doing well. Yeah. Uh, fo- football market, the hell are they not? There's never been any moans when Barnsley, Swindon, uh, Blackpool, Burnley. Like, Burnley's a town of 80,000 people or something like that. If we, <laughs> then it would be like to, you get fans of, of the top club or fans of expansion or whatever. whatever those, kind of, those kind of fans would, would be moaning the fact that Burnley would be doing well. Yeah. <clears throat> Not celebrating the David and Goliath. The football market is brilliant. You know, people watch the FA Cup in the, in the millions on telly and, and the FA Cup games, especially on the, in the lower league kind of teams. Well, the, the, the attendances are, are two, three, four. Can we two, three, four times the, the, the normal attendance? And, and the BBC and the, the, the football league, they kind of really do well in marketing the David versus Goliath kind of scenario. You know, Bournemouth, even Bournemouth with, with a, a stake in there of only 10,000, yeah. were welcomed into, into the Premier League with all we, we We go, we, we seem to be embarrassed and, uh, as, as a game. Or at least quite a few people seem embarrassed in the game so but no, for, for Cumbria having three clubs in the massive big people say about the merger of clubs uh, of all three clubs it, it really wouldn't happen the Barrow's an hour and a half away that yeah. windy road geographically you, you, you've got to really separate that South Cumbria and West Cumbria yeah uh, <clears throat> so yeah but working and working yeah I see the downside for two clubs so yeah we are fighting for the same the players we are fighting in the same talent pool we're fighting the same amount of for fans, we're fighting together against uh, businesses and, and whatnot for, for commercial revenue. But, but it's still good for the area to be to raise. Uh, the, the amateur game needs a really strong pre- presence. 
Yeah. If you've got to read from presence, more children or want to play, more children will stay in the game. We do. We suffer from when they go from to 13 the size of the youth, there is some teams can't, usually can't, uh, can't raise those kind of numbers. Uh, and that then, when I was a child playing 20 years ago, 20, 20 something years ago, that, that wasn't an issue back then at all. Uh, but now, you know, you have a Kells, have two or three teams. Uh, no, no, no. I think we're struggling. So we need we need a strong local game and a strong local game will, will help the amateur game as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's it'd be obviously good for us to have a, have a derby, have a derby as well. Uh, not just not just for financial reasons, but again, that generates a lot of interest locally. These are really big events when we when we play each other, especially when in the league when it really does mean something. Yeah. So, I expect Barrow to do really well next year. I know that they've got plans, and I'm hearing people about the people who are signing and the people who are putting bids in for and, and whatnot. So I expect Barrow to go really, to be really, really strong next year. Yeah. Any club that comes up from League One, I think they're going to find it tough. Uh, a lot of a lot of people, are, are, are a lot of the players from the talent club, they're, they're already uh, they're already signed up for next yeah. season now. So it, I do think. If it's worked in our longest, I think they've got a real tough task on their hands to uh, be able to bottom two. But again, going into this restructuring, they might need to be in the top eight, so it's uh, or at least top nine, yeah. top ten, and how it's decided. So, I mean, it would, I think it's going to be a really tough task for them to finish fifth boss, but ninth or eighth, ninth or tenth. Just, just the fact that we've got uh, a diminishing talent pool as well. We've got uh, the likes of Danny Bridge, and I think it's three there, including Danny from Oldham. All under thirty will be retiring. Yeah. On the professional game, so we've got a, uh, a diminishing talent pool a lot, along with the fact that a lot of the, the talent pool's already snapped up and signed up, and a lot of the agents done quite a bit of work early in this season because they knew what was coming with the RFL funding cuts, so the distribution funding cuts. I think the, the agents have been quite clever in getting their players signed up on on a, for next year already. Yeah. Uh, quite uh, quite early on in the season, I think they knew when the funding cuts came in. Some clubs would, would then struggle to offer what they, what they were offering. Uh, so yeah, like I said, it'd be difficult. But I'm, I'm really, I'm really pleased. Barrow, I hope, and I'm even more pleased if work and win this Sunday against Doncaster. Andrew Canavan there, and as I say, if you want to hear more, you can hear next week's episode for part two. That'll be out on Monday. So we've got two French teams in a grand final. Catalan Dragons looking for their first Super League title and Toulouse looking to get into Super League for the first time in what is described as the million pound game, whether it is worth a million pounds uh, given there's less money in the Sky deal, who knows? Well, Sky is still calling it the million pound game, although (laughs) not sure it is. I think it's great that we have got these two French teams in a grand final. Because, I don't know, it, it seems like it's just giving it... It just feels like it's given the game a bit of a lift-up, really. After what has been a, a terrible season, really. You know, we've had the Covid issues, we've had behind-closed-doors games, we've had the issue over fans um, in low attendances, we've had academy issues, we've had uh, incompetence, shall we say, from... Uh, the top of the game 
I think that's fair. He's, he was missing in action for several months. We've had issues over... We've had so many issues. So, to finally get to this stage where we've got a new team in the grand final, possibly a French team to win it for the first time ever, uh, another team potentially coming into the top flight, and and these these teams actually can fill their stadiums as well. <laughs> That stadium, Catalan Dragons, there weren't an empty seat um, in sight. It was fantastic, you know. If it, to be honest, it, it, you know, um, rugby league fans are some of the more most passionate fans. But if that's the case, why do in these playoff games? Why are there empty seats? I get that you have to pay extra cash or whatever, but I mean. Come on, it's the biggest game in the season for your club. And yet, there's empty seats. But, I, to be honest, I think that's more... You know, a, a, clubs can do so much to promote games. And perhaps some of them don't do enough. But, you can do as much promotion as you want. You can, you, you can, you can be the best marketer in the world. But, if it, if it ain't right structurally and at the top and there's turmoil and you know there's bad press then you can you can't you're pissing in the wind really because if your game looks bad then you can only get a limited amount of people to come i'm afraid that's how i see it anyway but we're on a bit of a tangent here you know all these issues that we've had and we finally got Certainly in the Super League, I think Super League needs more of a boost than Championship. Championship is fine on its own, as we've seen already with those great viewing figures. You know, 100,000 people apparently watched the Whitehaven, um, the Whitehaven-Halifax game on a Saturday afternoon. I think that was, that was either the 3 o'clock game or the 5 o'clock game, but basically competing with football on BT Sport and whatnot... I think even on Sky as well. So some some very encouraging figures from the second tier. And I've wondered why Sky don't bother with second tier for a long time. Because as I've said throughout this season on the podcast, it's more entertaining than Super League is. I always pick on Leeds, but I mean, we saw their effort against St. Helens. And I, I, was I wrong about Leeds being just... You know, ordinary, boring, not exciting at all. And obviously Super League this year, it's been a lot of teams just struggling on through, really. So it's a good job. We've got Catalans and St. Helens in, who have been by far the standout performers this year. But it's going to be very, very tough for Catalan Dragons because St. Helens come in with a wealth of experience. They prioritise defence over everything. They go for the two points when they're on offer. They can kill you off, even if they're not actually creating much. And Alex Wormsley, man, you know, if you've got him in this side, you've, you've half, you're halfway there already. You've already got one foot in the final when he's bloody on the team. And then you've got, well, you can you can name every single man on that team sheet and say, wow, they've got that player. But so have, so have Catalan Dragons, let's, let's be honest. And they've got some young French talent coming through as well, which is another plus point for the game. 
especially if we're going to have these regular French tests that we're having, you know, just in a couple of weeks in France. Uh, why we couldn't have a test series, I'm not sure. But let's hope those games are played every season at least or, you know, something like that. And will we see a, will we see the World Club Challenge, uh, a French team versus an Australian team? Well, we never. That World Club Challenge always seems to be organised on the last second. It seems like they never really want to play that. But that'll be Penrith um, versus Catalan Dragons. Well, it could be. I'm, I've already given Catalan Dragons a trophy there. Saint Helens are the big favourites. Let's be honest. And why wouldn't they be? They've they've won everything there is to win. Although in the last two years they've they've not had the um, league leaders shield. They lost it last year as well, didn't they? Wigan won it. I've almost forgot that. But Saint Helens still won, didn't they? So is it going to be twice on on the run? Now, some people say, well, why don't we just have the winner who finishes first? And I, I understand uh, that, you know. Clearly, Catalan Dragons have been the best team uh, in the competition. And some say, well, you know, it's not fair if we get, like, a team who finished, who just got in the playoffs and they went on to win it. But to win in a playoff series shows a different type of skill, an extra string to your bow that says we we were fantastic this season because we got in the playoffs. But also, we can knock these other teams out. We can hold our nerve. We can, you know, at every opportunity you could fall out of this race. There's so many chances and you can only be caught off on an off day and you're out. So to come through all that, to beat the best teams in the league, you've got to... I think that makes you more of a winner because it's a lot harder to do, a lot harder. And it also can mitigate the, well, they won, they only won because they they beat, well, we got it with OKR, didn't we? They got in the playoffs because they, they beat Lee, Lee three times, apparently. That's that's why they got in, in, in the uh, playoffs, you know, so it counters all that as well. And, you know, you might have played an injury-stricken side or whatever, so it sort of mitigates that, unless you've got an injury crisis going into the playoffs, that is. But that's the coach's job to sort of manage, really. You know, <laughs> don't risk your big players going into a playoff series. But yeah, I think it's it works brilliantly, this uh, playoff competition, I think. Perhaps uh, we'd like the attendances to be a bit bigger. Um and that that's going to be a sticking point as well, isn't it? That's going to be a big issue uh, this weekend because Catalan Dragons don't bring many fans. But it's funny that, isn't it? Because uh, I think Catalan Dragons uh, just last week were the only team who actually sold out the whole ground this season. Has anyone actually done that? Anyone else? Anybody? I, d I don't think they have. And, <laughs> you know... They've chartered four private jets, at, at just as we speak now, uh, to come to Old Trafford, some of the fans, which is, I think the that's being paid for by Catalan Dragons. So, I mean, 
you can't fault their commitment. Let's shove, you know, a team like Huddersfield or whatever. Anybody else, I'm not picking on Huddersfield, just any other team. Let's shove them in the safe of France and see how many come over for the grand final then. But I don't think that's Catalan Dragons' fault. It, clearly it's not, because we know they, they sell out their ground they, when the big games come around. So there's nothing wrong with their, their fans. In fact, they better, the, the atmosphere they created was a lot better than you know, a lot of the empty grounds that we see in West Yorkshire. Um, if we're looking at the attendance, it's got to fall on Super League who market, it, market this thing because, thankfully, I've been seeing a, quite a bit of uh, coverage outside of the usual uh, thing. Even Sky Sports had an advert for the grand final the advert weren't on a rugby league programme. It were darts, which is, you know, another sort of working class sort of game, I suppose. Uh, you know, not more, a bit northern, I, I guess. I guess more popular with uh, the northern um, supporters, I, I would assume. But, you know, only only now are we seeing the, the uh, advertising ramp up a bit, I think. It should have been running, you know, a month back or whatever. To be honest, I had my ticket bought, uh, well, I had it bought near, nearly the start of the season. I didn't care, to be honest, who were in it or whatever. And I, w- I wonder if that's um, a big thing. In, do, do many neutrals go to grand finals? I think it's always a, a tradition with the Challenge Cup. Everyone goes to that. Do, do we need to make the grand final more of a you know, a traditional thing where, you know, anyone goes because selling out Old Trafford, I mean, that is that is a big task. It's Is it the biggest stadium in the country, I think? Barring Wembley, of course. But, yeah, they did look like there was a few empty seats. Uh, but, anyway, forget that because it's going to be a great game anyway because these are these are the best teams this year. Oh, and just as we're speaking now, um, the TV deal apparently that we're supposed to be having uh, outside of Super League is is been confirmed. It's on Premier Sports. It's all what we know already. It's on Premier Sports. Uh, it's on Monday nights, and it's just for the Championship, which were, which is what we learned last week with Andy Mills Daily said it would gonna just be for the Championship, which I, I thought. We we all was assuming it was League One and Championship, but there you go. So it's on Premier Sports, so another thing to subscribe to. <laughs> so they'll have the playoffs and the million pound game. Uh, also, the Summer Bash, that's usually in Blackpool. It, it might need to be renamed the Blackpool Bash, that. Um, and I'm, I'm assuming they've got one game every week on... Uh, yeah, it says here one game from every round. So that's more than 30 Betfred Championship fixtures. Also, they've got seven Challenge Cup ties. Not only will they have the Monday night slot, also it'll be a 45-minute build-up uh, for reaction and reflection on the weekend's Rugby League as well. No mention of a, di- of a figure. Read into that what you will. 
Let's try and find if we've got a figure for this deal. No, not a mention of a figure. Uh, it's probably not that... If that's the case, it's probably not that um, valuable. However, Championship Rugby on the TV is always a plus for me. Monday nights, well, whilst it might not work for the um, players, you can even hear uh, Andrew Canavan's thoughts on that. That'll be next week. <laughs> so, sorry about that. You're going to have to wait till Monday. He's not a fan of it, let's just say. Um, yeah, that uh, I'll be watching it. Well, if I can... If I can get it on. <laughs> it's a two-year deal as well, by the way. So, 23... Oh, no, 22 and 23, yeah. So... Probably not worth much, however, you know, it can't be for nothing, surely. You know, whether that adds any income for the clubs or what, who knows. Whether it just goes to the whether it just goes to the RFL. Uh doesn't say. But yeah, that's just a bit of a... that's just what's just come up now. You're probably listening to this like if you know, Friday, whatever. And you, you probably know there's probably more information being revealed, but that's just the news that's just come out now. And I've now forgotten where we were. We were talking about the Super League Grand Final. And looking at previous results between the two clubs, obviously we got we had that mental uh, magic weekend result where Catalan Dragons won it however, God knows how they won it, uh, 31 points to 30. Previous to that, the other fixture was St. Helens 34, Catalan Dragons 12. Now, those previous results are kind of worrying for Catalan Dragons because Saints pretty much did have that game won uh, with a couple of minutes to go. What ensued afterwards was um, not common for a Saints team to do. So that's not... That's not usually what they do. And you would assume that in the grand final, they won't pull off a stunt like that. If they have that lead, they won't, you know, they won't bloody throw it away. And obviously, uh, back in August, start of August, it were 34-12. So, a comfortable win. And that's the problem. Uh, can Catalan Dragons do something they've not done to Saints this season? win convincingly by the way I, I want Catalan Dragons to win I just think it's going to be a tough task and we've got the injury issues as well Sam Tompkins sat out the, the the game before he's apparently back fit now also um, Jack Wellsby got an injury as well um, so will he be fit because he he's a difference maker as well Every time he's on the field, you know, even at his young age. So we've got a bit of the will they, won't they? But I just hope that they don't put them on half injured because if that's the case, then, you know, it might backfire. And I wonder how crucial the kicks will be because you've got Lachlan Coote, who's a great goal kicker. But if I were going to choose a kicker between James Maloney and Lachlan Coote, I'd be choosing James Maloney every day. So will that uh, have an effect? 
And let's hope, by the way, that we don't have any bloody, you know, weak sim bins, what we saw in the Saints game. The most ridiculous one were when, I can't remember what player it was, uh, but it was a Leeds player. He pretty much slipped just as he was about to get tackled. So the Saints player who got sim bin, can't remember who it were, he was, his tackle were perfect. It was in the right position. It was, you know, done correctly. But just because he slipped at the last second, unfortunately, he fell below, his head come close to the arm, and that's where he got the sim bin because he made contact with the head or whatever. I ain't blaming the referees because clearly this is what the rules are. And the referee were consistent. He he did about three of it were four, wasn't it? Four sim bins that were, most of them were soft. You you could make a case for some of them, but overall it was soft. So do do the rules need changing? Should we change it? The accidental thing because it's always going to happen by sim binning these players. You ain't gonna change the accidental head clashes, clashes with the head. Because they're an accident, they they don't want to do them, so why would they be punt? What is the reason for the sin binning? Because surely it is to deter them from doing it again. So if it does deter them from doing it again, then they won't be going in for a tackle because there's always it's always going to happen. That it always do, it does happen regularly. So I think we need to change the rules on that because the you know. There's no justification for a sim bin because it weren't done on purpose. And it clearly wasn't. Into the championship, it's going to be Toulouse v Featherstone. I thought it might have been a different opponent for some of that game, some of that Toulouse game. Half time, I think, were there four points in it or something against Batley? What a performance they put in. Less said about the second half, but... It was against Toulouse. You know, it was a it was a very nervy start from Toulouse. I'd be rubbing my hands if I were Featherstone looking at that start because they went in it with all the experience that they've got and they looked like the team that were battling. You know, they they acted as if they were the major underdogs. So they did feel the pressure a bit. But they scored with every single attack they had. They had about three attacks and three tries. But Batley were fantastic, I thought. And I'd, I were thinking at half-time, are they going to do it? Are they going to actually... Are we going to see a massive upset here? And where would that where would that rank if Batley actually beat Toulouse in the grand scheme of upsets? Does it, does it better... Would it have bettered the Sheffield win over Wigan in the, grand, uh, in the Challenge Cup final back in the late 90s? Does it does it better that? I think it would, but it didn't happen, so forget it. <laughs> but yeah, Toulouse, they have a very interesting style of playing. You know, when they got when they got penalties, they didn't bother kicking it. They just took the tap, which I don't know. I thought it was a bit strange. Why would you not take the position? You know, you could you could go an extra twenty yards up the field. Oh no, we'll we'll just do it back here. Strange decision. 
they did see they did stop doing that later on in the game but i just thought that was a bit i don't know i thought it was a bit disrespectful so you know we can score from back here or whatever i thought that was a bit strange to be honest but um yeah their style where they don't really seem to have a game plan really they just do whatever they feel <laughs> you know there's there was they were closing in on the try and they were just about to get tackled at one stage and they were so desperate not to be put into touch or get tackled that the bar went back about 40 metres and they still carried on going, uh, you know. So they do have an unconventional style but that makes it very interesting for defenders as well because they don't have a clue what's going to happen. And it, obviously, they're the, by, by far the best team and they're probably going to beat Featherstone really. Earlier on in the season, I think the only fixture against these two, Toulouse uh, won 23 points to six. So we're down on their average win, which is over 50-odd points, but still 23 points and limited Featherstone to six. I think, it'll, I think it will be a close game because obviously Featherstone are a step above Batley. I think if, if Toulouse start the game the same way they did against Batley, I think Featherstone might well do it because Featherstone will capitalise more on the chances. Batley actually squandered quite a few chances as well. They were given more than what they, what they put on the board. They were given more chances than that. But there was a couple of errors as well. So, you know, if, if they do start like that, Featherstone could rank up a big advantage going in at half-time, and then it's just about holding it on. So, you know, that's not as cut and dried as it, as it might look, but I would be backing to lose anyway. So we might well be looking at the French derby next season, which, well, it'll, it'll sell our ground out at least. <laughs> um, anyway, into League One. Keithley and Doncaster. Keithley are now out. They lost out in the last seconds. Just massive drama in League One. Again, they've, it's been drama every single week these playoffs have been on. You know, fantastic. But you, you, you only have to look at the league table. You don't even have to look at any of the games this season. Just look at the league table. There's nothing to separate so many of these sides. Which is why we see Doncaster who finished 5th in the grand final against Workington, who we ain't seen much of. We saw them last week. I, I expect just another mental game like that. Perhaps game we're lacking a bit of quality. There was errors all over the place. But for entertainment value, it was right up there. And you're going to have to expect errors and whatnot in its League 1. You know, it ain't Super League. But I think... It just shows the quality outside of Super League and perhaps why there isn't no TV deal, you know, for for the clubs not in Super League. Interestingly, actually, if we're looking at this Premier Sports TV deal and there's going to be two leagues of 10 uh, next season or the season after that, whatever, it'll be Super League 1 and Super League 2. So will will the Premier Sports have the rights to Super League Two, or will it be this unknown league, um, 
that we're having the year you know that we're having outside of this nobody knows what it is I've asked every single chairman I can get my hands on do you know what's going on no don't know so um I imagine they won't have the rights to Super League 2 that'll be for Sky so we know Sky's reluctance to play Championship on the platforms for whatever reason you know I think I think that those games actually got more uh, viewing figures than some of the Super League games um yeah, whatever, weird. So, will Sky broadcast the Super League 2 games? This is all if it even happens, because we hear proposals all the time, and when it comes down to actually doing it, it seems like mm, cold feet or whatever. Although there does seem a feeling that something needs to change. We might even have a new proposal, a better one, let's hope. Um, but yeah, because it could be that we we go from having the championship games on and then the year after there's actually none because Sky have the Super League 2 and don't broadcast it and it'll be just for like League 1 or whatever so that's it that's something to um, mull over I suppose what will that mean I think though if you are doing the two leagues of 10 slightly off on a tangent here again but if you are doing that structure You've got to have the games in from Super League 2 as well. You have to. and Because you can't sell a 10-team a, a league on its own, I'm afraid. We're definitely going to be having extra fixtures, whether that's going to be loot fixtures or other type of fixtures. They've not really been worked out yet. That's what that's what annoys me about these so-called proposals is we don't actually know the full ins and outs of it. It's all, we could do this and we could do that and we could do that, but we don't actually know. So, so I think if you're going down that route, you've got to have the Super League 2 games on just to make it interesting and not tedious. But yeah, that's on a tangent again. <laughs> yeah, if, if the League 1 playoff final is anything as good... As these playoff games that we've had, and I don't see a reason why it won't be. We're in for a fantastic game. And just before we finish, um, Super League Grand Final, Old Trafford, obviously. If you ain't got tickets, bloody get them. And oh, oh yeah, my ticket by the way cost ten quid. Bought it way back early on. Uh, the original ticket was £20, which is already fantastic value, but he had a voucher, a 10-quid voucher from the Rewards for Rugby League or whatever. All you have to do is do them bloody player of the match things or whatever they put out on the Our League app. And just for answering all them out all the way through the season, I got my ticket for a tenner. So, I mean, to watch the best that can be offered in Rugby League in the UK for a tenner, why not? Why the hell not? And if you've got them points, bloody use them up. If you if you bother doing those uh, player of the matches, player of the month, try of the week, or whatever it is, do it. Yeah, so it's on Saturday, 6 o'clock. It's on Sky Sports' main event. I think it's on Arena from R4. So massive build-up there. I wonder if we're actually going to have any uh, live band or whatever. 
because there always seems to be a live band. Uh, you know, if there's, I'm assuming there's not going to be because if you have got a live band, why the hell wouldn't you be marketing it? You know, weeks beforehand. But you know, it is rugby league, so perhaps there, there is a band. Um, championship grand final uh, Toulouse v Featherstone as well. Uh, Sunday, six o'clock. It ain't on mix uh, this week. It's on arena. So maybe if you have a Sky, a basic Sky subscription, you might have to seek alternative uh, means to watch that. If if you know what I mean. Uh, and uh, League One, that's at one o'clock on Sunday. Uh, Workington in Doncaster, and that'll be on uh, our league. I think it goes live just a couple of minutes before the game. So you know, plenty of rugby league to be what cracking on with. Next week is Andrew Canavan, part two of the interview, and that'll be the last episode of the season, so you won't hear from me again till a, a while. So, see you next week for the last episode of Shoulder Charge for this season. Yeah.